Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road Roll Football Show. I am Patrick Gardy, here to break down all of Week 13's biggest games with Pat Green, Denny Carter, Kyle Dvorak as they stifle laughter. Someone someone may have said a potty word off the air um, before we came on. We're looking into who did this. We're looking into who did it. We're, we're going to talk Chiefs, Bengals. We're going to talk Jaguars, Lions, and the surprising shootout of the week, the little shootout that could. <laughs> the Dolphins and 49ers, and so much more. A lot to get to this week, but... Before Sunday, guys, we got to watch something on Saturday. That is Team USA versus the Netherlands in the knockout rounds of the World Cup. Are we excited? We're very excited. By we, I assume I mean you and me, Roto-Pat, right? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. We're the only ones who've actually watched every game. I don't think Denny's watched a single minute of the tournament. No, I tried. I tried to watch. the American! <laughs> I, I, tried, I tried to watch the uh, US-Iran game. Um I, I, I don't know. I ended up watching Twin Peaks instead. I don't know how that <laughs> I, I watched the U.S.-England uh, game in I a bar. I should have picked a different one. Good Yeah, job. the Midtown. It played well. New York, which is the worst part of New York. Uh, <laughs> no, it was a terrible game, and it was a terrible sport. And I had I had <sighs> some idiot with an American accent rooting for England in my ear. Are you serious? American accent. Don't root for England. You're a poser. Oh, let me let me guess. His, his grandma was from Sussex. <laughs> no, no, he probably just honestly he probably plays uh, England as England in, in FIFA. In FIFA, or no, That's he has really fond memories of when he was in Stoke on Trent, or was it Trent on Stoke? Can you even no, remember? Do you even remember why you're rooting for them? <laughs> uh, what, no. what do I do have a question though? What when these people who claim six, seven, eight different nationalities, what do they do during the world cup? You know, they say, Oh, I'm, I'm 6% Irish. I'm 4% English. Like what, like, is it the, the largest percentage? That's the team you're rooting for. You just no. much like soccer in real life. They claim the best team that will accept them. Right. All right. Right. That makes that, that's good process. Now I actually had to, this, this guy was, we're a packed bar. This guy had his, has beer on our table. So he's sort of like watching and he's like screaming into my ear, which is now ringing. (laughs) And it came back from the bathroom at one point. I went to put his beer on a table and I literally said to go, no, you're not putting your beer here. Go somewhere else. (laughs) You were ready to do fisticuffs actually. I was, that's how heated I was. So after that, I haven't watched any more of the world cup. (laughs) (laughs) After he almost got beat uh, by a fake English fan. Um, Did he, did he go away with like a, with his English tail between his legs? Or was he? Really yeah, like, like the English always do. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
<laughs> Sorry, yeah, Neil Dutton. He's our friend. We got a lot of English friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just because we've know. beaten them in every war of consequence doesn't mean, <laughs> I mean. Uh, they were supposed to say stuff like that. But well, the Netherlands is it the Netherlands? Are you Dutch? Is it Holland? Like, can you make up your mind? Uh, you at least chose a color, pretty pretty cool color, orange. But yeah, come on, you gotta make up your mind. Oh, Not that many. I know that about you. I think I think I'm gonna take the uh, approach of Austin Powers' father mm-hmm. uh, in this one and say that I I hate those who are intolerant of other people's culture and the Dutch. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were gonna say you're gonna take the Netherlands money line because you're an anti-American fool. Uh, no, I, you, you you keep trying to paint me with this brush and it's not working. I, I don't care enough. I, I'm yeah, sorry. I, so I am care. happy about the timing of the game. It's at ten o'clock in the morning, so I will be watching it at my own house. Peace and quiet, and I'll and I'll root for the USA, and I'll and I'll watch the game. But, I was uh, gonna say, I was gonna say you should like you should go to a soccer bar to really enjoy it, and it sounds like you tried that once, had a terrible experience, and uh, I don't blame you. Stay home for this one, maybe. Yeah, stay home. I've never all. felt more in my thirties than as that young man screamed in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta stay home for Chiefs at Bengals, one of the games of the week. Kansas City and Cincinnati are rematching last season's AFC Championship game with the Chiefs arriving in Ohio as modest road favorites. Kyle, there's been a lot going on in this Chiefs receiver core. Who, if anyone, can we trust behind Juju Smith-Schuster? Well, I, I, I mean, I'm going to say you can probably trust Juju, but that's only because we have a pretty strong season-long prior of him clearly being this team's number one receiver, obviously outside of Travis Kelsey. But last week, we did not see that at all. He had a 46% route rate. I am going to optimistically chalk that up to it was his first game back from what I mean, I watched it. It was a pretty brutal concussion, frankly. So I'm going to chalk that up to E back in in a game in which his opponents never stood a chance. So you don't need to play him every single snap. But last week was concerning. Justin Watson again led the team in routes, which has been a constant over the past. Boy, do they love that guy. Yeah, they really love Justin Watson, which uh, I mean, why? I was going to try and defend him, but no. Why do they like Watson. So I probably expect Juju's route rate to climb. It was really strong. It was hovering around 80% plus before he suffered that concussion. And he was being productive leading up until the concussion. He was playing his best football. He was really slow to start the year and finally started catching a stride right before going down with the injury. So I don't think there's any reason that this should be a, a trend we see. But I, I do think it's Juju. And even then, you're a little bit more hesitant than you were a few weeks ago. Any counter opinions on the Chiefs receiver core? For, again, it's a total, total 53. I mean, you would like to think a Chiefs receiver is going to score some fantasy points this week. A Chiefs receiver not named Juju Smith-Schuster, that is. But or is it just too unpredictable? It's I don't think you can play any of the other guys except Juju. And, and I agree with Kyle. I think last week was probably a blip. But, I mean, 46% route participation is like a disaster if that's what he has again this week. I don't think he will, but – like. He's only at 75% for the year. So he could be at like 65, 70%. Like even that's kind of rough. Um, you're not you're not playing Justin Watson. Marcus Valdez Scantling. I was making the point that like they clearly don't want Sky Moore on the field, but Sky, but Sky Moore is yeah. seeing uh the same first read target rate as Marcus Valdez Scantling. So it's like the and I was like trying to figure out why that would be. I don't think it's necessarily about the play calling so much as that he's just not getting open. He ranks really, really low in ESPN's open score. He's just struggling, man. So I thought we were done I, talking about the English. Now you're talking about the British Open. Please <laughs> stop. I, I have uh, I have something on Sky Moore. Uh, he's being targeted at a very high rate 
of his routes, 32%, in fact, and that leads the team over the past three weeks. Problem is, he's not running many routes at all. Um, if we just get a little bump, I'm not, you know, we're not asking for much. Like, we're not asking for a 90% route rate. If that were to happen, it would be a whole new ball game, but, but, you know, even like 60%, something uh, over 50, it would be really good for Sky Moore. I'm, I have a little bit of interest in him in, in deep leagues DFS. Um, but yeah, I think Juju's pretty much the only game in town when it comes to receivers for the chiefs. Sky Moore becoming one of the ultimate this time at counts players, by the way. Sorry, Pat. Well, I've been pretty bullish on Sky Moore, uh, especially early in the season and, and in the preseason. I, I don't think it's happening. I think like <laughs> when you look at, um, like I think he was probably going to run fewer routes than he did last week. If anything, yeah. oh, well. his targets last <laughs> week, he had six. <laughs> uh, he only had one first read target of the six last week. So it, it's like, they don't want him on the field. It's everyone has to get hurt for him to be even on the field. And when he gets out on the field, they're calling plays for everyone, but him, he's getting open and doing stuff. Like I think maybe next year it could be interesting, but I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pessimistic this week. Uh, Denny's, yeah, I think Denny's supposed to be your podcasting brother. Never directly contradict him like that again. Well, look, <laughs> I, I actually I feel weird because I've been saying Sky Moore. I don't even know who Sky Moore is. Who cares? Who cares about Sky Moore? <laughs> Keep doing that, Denny. That's, that's just, probably just, what's going to be the case. I just threw a bone and I said, hey, Sky Moore, you never know. <laughs> You're expecting one of the Sky Moore sickos we work with every day to hop, hop in line. Yeah. You. And, of course, all of a sudden they're out on Sky Moore now, apparently. I know Pat and I are the, the Sky Moore sickos. I know we both have a ton of, uh, a ton of Sky Moore bags and best ball, but like, if it was going to happen, it was going to be in the past few weeks. And in terms of his yeah. usage, it hasn't happened. I kind of like Pat said, I kind of think he's good when he's on the field. But we have to listen to what the team tells us. And they tell us they do not want to see much more Sky Moore. Yeah. Well, that's a real shame. They are telling us things in their backfield. At least we hope so, Denny. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco seems to have taken the early down mm-hmm. duties. But Ronald Jones has suddenly been involved after Clyde Edwards-Hilaire playing on an injured reserve. Was that just like a one-week wrinkle because of injury last week? or? Mm-hmm. Is there anything weird going on in the Chiefs' backfield? uh, So, you know, Melvin Gordon kind of throws a wrench into things. I was going to say we can expect Ronald Jones to be active for as long as CEH is out. Uh, But, you know, with Melvin Gordon now, I don't – I can't say that for sure. Uh, You know, last week – Forgot about that guy. (laughs) Last week with Edwards, he out for the first time. Uh, against the Rams, Pacheco saw 51% of the team's snaps, 22 of 26 Kansas City carries – and 33% of the routes. McKinnon, Jarek McKinnon ran 44% of the routes last week against the Rams. He does have a hamstring issue right now. And um, if he were to miss, I think it would be pretty big for Pacheco. It, may, it might give him an avenue to get up to 60, maybe 70% of routes. Um, it would make him a, a really exciting play, I think. Uh, but yeah, 22 of 26 carries. I think I think we'll see something like that going forward as long as CEH is out. And maybe maybe after. And hopefully Do you think we'll Melvin Gordon some... would be active if? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Andy Reid said maybe. You know, uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, he had some good things to say about him, but yeah, I think there's there's a good chance he won't be active. If he is active, I would guess he's going to be active over Ronald Jones, which is something. <clears throat> I think that they probably did not want him to be active, but might have to make him active just because of the injury situation. Oh, and wait, I mean, this is this assumes McKinnon is is going yeah. to play. Yeah, I think he's only active if McKinnon's out, but I could see them at least trying to replace McKinnon's pass protection role with Melvin Gordon. I don't mm-hmm. think Pacheco really profiles as a guy who takes the field on third downs. Ronald Jones certainly does not. Definitely so, doesn't. yeah, so I think Melvin Gordon would be in for a non fantasy useful but decent snapshot type of role. 
You all seem pretty confused about the Chiefs' backfield. I'll be honest. Well, no, uh, I, I mean the simple thing is, you, you, if you have Pacheco, you're playing him. As, as well, well, the 53 total. We're hoping to like, get some goal line carries and maybe some mm-hmm. some tutters this week. I uh, think you're playing him if McKinnon's out. If McKinnon's not out, I don't hold on, you're not Pacheco. playing. Hold on, you're not playing Pacheco of McKinnon. I mean, you've not been I playing him the past so few winning. weeks. <laughs> you kidding me? I think that. We're talking about a, a back and forth passing shootout here. I, I'm not all that excited about a back who's probably right, playing right. like 40% of snaps if McKinnon's healthy. I mean, I think he's his carry floor is probably still like 15, to be honest. So I, I don't know. Four, if this, four strong uh, or 15 yeah. strong, maybe 12. I, I don't know if this if this matters with Kansas City. Probably doesn't. But I did want to mention that Cincinnati is like the fifth most extreme run funnel defense in the league. So, but the, but the thing is, it's not a run funnel because the Bengals are bad against the run they're just a little worse against the run than they are against the pass. So it's, it's not, I, I'm not saying that they're going to establish it like the bears, but I think that could be a little bit in favor of Pacheco. Yeah. I'd say if you're not starting Pacheco with the highest team total of the week as a favorite, you just never be starting him. Right. I mean, I know obviously this looks like a fun passing game, but games that score a lot of points are also good. So that that's where I'd be starting him though. I get the concern that maybe they just run the ball like nine times in total. You know, sometimes you think you know someone, and then you find out Patrick Crane doesn't like Sky Moore. He doesn't like Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, well, I've been consistent on that point. But I knew. <laughs> no, I mean, you got to like swaggy Chiefs, is what I'm saying. I couldn't remember if you liked Pacheco or not. Uh, no, I, I, uh, I, Pacheco's actually kind of won me over. I think he's he's fine. But <laughs> it's more about just kind of who the Chiefs are, who the Bengals are. I think the Bengals are going to be throwing a ton in this game. Right. Chiefs are going to be throwing a ton. If McKinnon's available, then. I think he'll play 60% of the snaps. I really do. 55, 60. So it just doesn't leave a ton of. I actually value. don't agree with that, but you mentioned the Bengals. I don't know. I'm not going to give you a chance for the last word. I have no idea why you mentioned, you think the Bengals are going to be throwing a lot. We got to talk about Jamar chase. What does this return to lineup do to T Higgins? If anything, uh, any chance it's actually good news for Tyler Boyd, who was producing more before Jamar chase got hurt. Maybe it's weird. Statistical noise is Hayden Hurst canceled, et cetera. Um, I don't think anything's really good for Tyler Boyd. Uh, he, I, this was, he was supposed to be like a contingent value option. He really hasn't done much, even with Chase out. Uh, 14% target rate this year is terrible. Uh, so I'm, I'm not into Tyler Boyd with Chase back. Hayden Hurst is the same guy he always is, but I think he's a little bit more interesting just because he's a tight end and we need, we need to fill the tight end spot somehow. So he's kind of a decent volume-based PPR guy. Uh, in general, I think Chase coming back is probably good in general. He's seen extra defensive attention on 30% of his routes, which is one of the highest rates in the league. So he's going to help open up things. And we're not entirely sure how healthy he is. So maybe he's not drawing targets at the same rate that he typically is. He'll probably draw defensive coverage at a similar rate, though, unless he's just like clearly not right in a decoy. But I, I doubt that that is the case. Uh, and so I think he'll probably help op- open up things for T. Higgins. And then we also just have a lot of potential for passing uh, volume this week. So I'm not like quite as concerned about, Oh no, he's going to steal targets. Like there might be plenty of targets overall. So it's more just about like if chase can help Higgins, you know, get open for a big play. I mean, that's, that's all you really need. Are we four for four? And are we all returning Jamar chase ahead of T Higgins in, in the rankings or any of us galaxy braining that one? I kind of um, want to galaxy brain it. Of course you do. Of course you do. I th- I'd be okay galaxy burning it. I mean, yeah. we don't know the health, and they're right. they're That's barely it. even. I feel better it. that they gave him the extra week now to get healthy. Um, well, he asked for the extra week first, and, and I, I read about it. He said, hey, I, I, I need one more week, and Zach Taylor said, fine. 
And then he, uh, a, a Bengals beat writer the other day said, Chase will play some snaps against the Chiefs. Oh, I don't like, like these things you're telling me. And yeah. I asked, and I, I actually Maybe. asked him on Twitter, what do you mean? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't get a response yet. So we're looking into it. Honestly, maybe Chase is the galaxy brain play. You're playing a guy with a broken hit. I'm playing a guy who knows playing running all the routes. Well, you're playing the best wide receiver on planet Earth is what you're playing, Pat. Um, uh, Tyree Kill has something to say about that. Yeah, I think a couple well, of guys. Tyree Kill is the fastest. Playing all the snaps for the would like to Tyree Kill is the fastest. Devonta Adams is the PPR scammiest. Steph Diggs is the angriest. Slander. Who do you like? Who do you think is good? Jamar Chase and that's it. I do. I think Jamar Chase is very, very, very good. Jamar, Jamar, we're all counting on you. Uh, please, please come back and play a lot of snaps. I was going to say, that's true. Isn't Chase one of your uh, keeps the roof on the house guys, Pat? He is. <laughs> uh, it, the roof is leaking, and it's getting quite cold here in the Midwest, in the Middle West uh, this time of year. So, Jamar, uh, we, we're welcoming you back with open arms. Coming off a road win against the Colts, the Steelers arrive in Atlanta as somewhat surprising favorites, Crane. What do the folks need to know about this game? So the Falcons used to be a major pass funnel, but then they played a bunch of teams that were like, man, eh, we'd rather run on you. Four of their last five opponents have a pass rate overexpected of minus 14% or lower. That's a really, really heavy uh, run heavy rate. And it's actually kind of brought the Falcons to where they actually look like a slight run funnel now. But the bottom line is they're kind of like one of these Lions type defenses where you can do whatever you want against the Falcons. Really more about how you want to operate your offense. The Steelers are operating as a run first team. They have a minus 4% pass rate of expected. I think they're going to be yet another one of these teams who decides to run on the Falcons as opposed to pass on them. Um, that said, I think Kenny Pickett will be more efficient this week than he has been so far this year. The Falcons are just 27th in EPA allowed per drop back. Uh, they're 29th in drop back success rate allowed. But I do think volume is still going to be an issue for the Steelers defense. They're not going to be just you know dropping back constantly. If we're looking for efficiency at this point, I think the bet is Pat Fryermuth. He leads the Steelers with a 1.73 yards per route run. We obviously get that sweet, sweet tight end eligibility. And uh, he he's tied with Deontay Johnson now for the team lead in first read target rate. So it's not even like entirely clear the whole Deontay Johnson thing. Like, you know, we've. Kind of took a big L on that one because it's not even clear that he's the number one guy there now. It might it might be Fryermuth? Um, so that's that's how I would be playing the Steelers uh, if I was going to be playing them in this matchup through the air. And it, as far as the wide receivers go, I th- I'd rather bet on George Pickens at this point because again, I think we're looking for efficiency. We're looking for a guy who can hit some big plays because I don't think volume is necessarily going to be there. Pickens isn't all that efficient he only has 1.25 yards per outrun but you know i think conceptually we can we can see him getting there with the touchdown uh, a nice catch something like that um we're looking at maybe jalen warren leading the backfield here with Najee harris banged up uh with this abdominal injury it's probably good for the steelers running game if harris isn't there harris has been absolutely terrible he ranks running back 46 in rush yards over expected per attempt running back 45 in success rate he's doing nothing benny snell was efficient in the same offense last week benny snell so, like, anyone's probably an upgrade at this point. Um, I think Warren's probably going to be the 1A. He's coming off injury, but not on the injury report or full practice. Uh, so, I think we'll see him kind of like the around 60% snap range, maybe a little higher. Um, and so, I, he's like a viable RB2, I think. Um, not super exciting. Uh, on the Falcons' side, they're playing a Steelers defense that's pretty, pretty strong against the run. They're seventh in rushing success rate. 
They're weaker against the pass, 21st in dropback success rate, but we've seen like repeatedly the Falcons only have one gear they run. It doesn't matter what the matchup, doesn't matter what the game script is, they run. So we're going to see them uh, running against this team. They had a minus 19% PROE against the Commanders, which have an awesome run defense. They just don't care. So they're going to run. They're going to be inefficient while running. Uh, There's nothing here in this passing game. Uh, Even with Kyle Pitts out of the lineup, Drake London saw a first read target on just 4% of his routes. Alameda Zacchaeus led the way instead. Who's getting the first read in this offense? Alameda Zacchaeus. That's the the top guy right now. So uh, it's a big no thanks for me here on the passing game. Uh, Cordell Patterson had 58% of the snaps against the Commanders. Tyler Algier saw his snap share drop from 48% to 39%. Uh, so I think maybe Patterson's in play as kind of a touchdown dependent guy, but you're not getting anything in the passing game from him. So it's it's got to be that he gets in the end zone or they just uh, are able to just fully establish it with the Steelers also going run heavy on the other side and you get there on kind of some rushing volume, but not, not the most exciting game. No, no, not at all. I'm, by the way, for – Denny and I may have blown the whole lid off the Deontay Johnson expected points thing. Check out Galaxy Brains this week. And okay. I think yeah. his own coach has been inspiring. We, we went deep. We went deep. There's another level to this game. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers swears to God he's going to play through his thumb and rib issues against the Bears, Denny. Justin Fields is questionable. Beyond the quarterback injuries, what is there to know about this game? Yeah, I, I am asking, uh, pleading with Aaron Rodgers to maybe just sit one out and, and let us <laughs> and let us have Jordan Love just just for just for one week after counterpoint uh, to that. No, well, he looked pretty great to me uh, <laughs> when I when I watched the Jordan Love dot on the screen. It was really well, really really doing well against the Eagles. Yeah, uh, so here's here's what we have in this game. Uh, you have uh, Chase Claypool uh, taking on probably a wide receiver one role for this offense, not in fantasy uh, with uh, Darnell Mooney out for the year. Uh, Last week, Claypool was up to 75% of the routes in this offense against the Jets. He saw five targets. That was the second most behind Cole Komet. Uh, Claypool, and by the way, Komet, I think is still obviously playable in 12 team leagues. Uh, uh, Claypool Claypool has been targeted on 28% of his routes since joining the Bears in week nine. That's the 11th highest rate among all wideouts over that span. Um, So you have that and you have um, the Bears running no matter what. You know, really, just like just like what uh, Crane was saying with the Falcons, uh, they were 17% under their expected pass rate last week and their blowout loss to the Jets. Pretty, pretty incredible. Of course, that was without Justin Fields, but really th- the way they operate doesn't change much with with Fields in there. It not, it's not quite that run heavy, especially of late. But uh, David Montgomery had 15 carries against the Jets and five targets on 67% of the routes. Um, only three defenses give up more positive rushing attempts than the Packers this season. And when these teams played in week three with the Bears chasing points, the basically the entire game, I was going to say this the second half, but it was almost the entire game. Uh, they still were way under their expected pass rate. And Montgomery and Khalil Herbert combined for 19 carries and 160 yards against these Packers. I, I, I think it doesn't matter what happens. David Montgomery is going to see 20 touches and probably do okay. I think he will. Kyle, do we think you're as our injury report guy? I mean, we all kind of are, but what do we think about Justin Fields? Like, is he actually going to play? Is this kind of like a smoke screen? The Bears are on by in week 14. It seems like it would make all the sense in the world to hold out Justin Fields for one more game, but early indications are that he's going to play. Yeah, that's kind of how I've taken it as well, that it looks like he should be able to come back this week. No game. 
but especially with their backup situation in which Trevor Simeon was supposed to play, wasn't supposed to play, then ended up playing uh, through this pregame uh, oblique injury, I think they call it, you know, core he, injury. Sounded like he coughed up a lung, basically. Yeah, yeah, and then he started the week as a uh, as a DNP this week. So, although yes, uh, you obviously would just prefer to like, dude, sit Justin Fields till twenty twenty three. That'd be great. He's get him healthy for that season. Yeah, we have an update. Yeah, we have an update. Uh, yeah, the, this, is, this Adam, is breaking. This is breaking. Yeah, it is. Adam Schefter says that Justin Fields re- returned to practice in a full capacity today, which is Thursday. Oh, so thank he's, God he's gonna because <laughs> if it wasn't gonna be him, the the punchline was gonna be it might be Nathan Peterman. It was Peterman. Turn on channel nine. It was nearly we had a brush with the apocalypse last week with <laughs> Peterman almost getting a start. So that was gonna be the punchline. But it seems like again we have narrowly avoided a meteor hitting the earth. Is a born poster each day the Nathan Peterman starts is the new best day of my life because then I get to tweet about it. So I'm I'm actually hoping he just play. Um, Denny, do you have some thoughts there? It looks like maybe you did or no. No, no, no. I'm all out of thoughts nope. on this. Game. All right. All out of thoughts. Pretty fair for GBS. Aaron Rodgers really has seemed like basically guarantees playing. So like whatever. Yeah. And, and by the way, he's a great start because the Bears defense is a terrible and B banged up like crazy. They're missing a bunch of uh, starters on the back end. And the Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers just gutted the Bears in week two. And the Bears defense has not gotten better in the interim. So, yeah, really, really good setup for Green Bay. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Detroit Lions are squaring off in the little shootout that could in Detroit. Riding off Trevor Lawrence's career week 12, Jacksonville arrives in town as one-point favorites, Patrick Corain. There's a lot to unpack here, but let's start in the Jaguars receiver core. But has seen Zay Jones making a move. Is he really threatening Christian Kirk? I think we probably all vote no on that. No, he is. He he definitely is. Um so I've been, I have a, this metric. It's a scaled version of uh, Ben Gretsch's weighted targets per outrun. It's scaled to the yards per outrun scale. Uh, so expected yards per outrun. Christian Kirk is at 1.77, which is like if you have a 1.77 yards per outrun, that's like okay. It's not great. It's not bad. Jones is at 1.75. They're seeing basically the exact same volume on a per route basis, and they're running the same amount of routes more or less. Kirk is at 95% route, route participation. Say Jones at 92%. So Kirk has like a very tiny lead in both metrics. Um, he also has a slight lead in first read target rate, but they're essentially like, I would say the co number one options here. They're not I'd like even calling Kirk the one a to Jones one B is kind of like, just because he's Kirk. There's not really any, uh, he does actually make big volume. plays. He scores touchdowns. Um, yeah, Zay is still, Rose is really kind of captain of eight catches for 60 yards, which is useful in fantasy. But I, outside I of the times he goes 10 for 140, he's mostly. Well, hey, I mean, yeah, didn't he just see 14 targets? Besides his best game, uh, you know, <laughs> well, other, I mean, why are you taking know, that all away? Those other, all those other games. <laughs> Which was, by the way, <laughs> last still, week. I will say I'm the only one who's been ranking Zay Jones as someone like actually catching passes, by the way. Let me just say that. Um, I've, been, I've been on the Zay Jones beat for weeks here. Is I've that ranked true? It once all year. You, <laughs> <laughs> is that true, Pat? Check? Do you know where I had Zay Jones ranked last week? Tell me. I don't know. I, I was hoping no. you know. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was like, why did you No, I'm just, the industry has not, they seem slow to adapt, slow to accept the, our new Zay Jones reality. Which crane? Josh Norris has been on it since uh, the preseason. That's it. 
He's never the only, heard of him. The only guy who likes Zay Jones more than Derek Carr is Josh Norris. So the only guy like, like Zay Jones more than uh, whoever hands out the money in Jacksonville. Yeah, man. Yeah. I tell you what, Zay Jones must be a hell of a leader because he's done. He's done well for himself. I yeah, he sure has. So anyway, so okay, it is bad actually. Is what you're saying though? But I mean, you're, it's we, not you're, good for Kirk. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably also just points to the fact that Kirk is not really a number one. Yeah, right. Uh, never, never has been at any point in his career. Never profiled like he would be. Um, Other than one day in March, according one to day in March, yeah. he, he sure did. But yeah, I mean, he's a, you know, he's kind of a number two, like a really, really good number three. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't think we can rely on him as like the clear number one or even the one A here. He must just never ever seemed to know what to do with the guy. I will say, even when Zay Jones, I don't know, I was, he didn't have. A, I was thinking of two weeks ago where Kirk Wait. had a big game. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I feel like we're talking a little a little bit too down on. Uh, on Christian Kirk, I mean, you know, I know that this could slip away in the coming weeks, but he leads the team in air yard share and target share. Uh, he's ninth among all receivers in targets per route run since week nine. Like, I know it's been up and down a little bit, but I, I'm, a, I'm good. I, I really like Christian Kirk's spot this week. I'm sure you guys do too. Denny has, se- he has, se- he has seven tutters too. You you buried the lead. Seven tutties. I don't even. I don't even. Yeah, I'm being I'm being overly negative in him in regards to his lead on. Zay Jones, but I think yeah, it's a great matchup for it. Like yeah, but yeah, he, he barely has a target share lead. I have it as both at twenty three percent, twenty nine percent to twenty five percent in air yard share. So it's like I'm just kind of saying like he's not a clear cut alpha at all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But as a matchup based bump on this passing game, as as potential double stack partner, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he does have almost two hundred more yards than Zay Jones, which does matter. Uh, right. but Zay Has Jones he played one more game? game? Has he played one more game? Oh my god! Yeah, and, and Zay probably would have gotten the 200 yards in that one. <laughs> yeah, it was a 200 yards. One. So, of course, he's played one more game. Uh, but anyways, a lot going on with this Jags team. Kyle Travis Etienne popped up with the worst possible injury designation for a list Frank survivor in Week 12. Departed with his foot. Uh, they claim hand with his foot yeah. in hand is they, how he departed. They claimed it's purely precautionary. He is practicing. I guess we think he's going to play, but do we think he's going to cede more work than usual to Jermichael Hasty? I would think not. I actually do kind of buy the fact that it was a pretty precautionary approach. I mean, obviously you just have to take Doug Peterson at his word, but he did say that ETN was cleared to return in that game and they just held him out just to be safe. Then we saw a limited practice start the week, which like players who are just completely fine get limited practices, let alone a guy who we thought might be hurt. So I think he's probably fine. Then beat reporters, we haven't gotten the injury report as Thursday. Said he was moving fine in practice Thursday. He was dominating stuff up until or up since that final game James Robinson was on the team, which he was hardly on the team for that final game anyway. So I think he looks healthy. They've been giving him a ton of work. And last week, maybe it's just the hopium in me that I want Travis Etienne to be a thing. But every sign points to him still being a thing. So I don't think it's going to be much more work than usual given away to Michael Hasty. And although it's a good matchup through the air for the team, also a good matchup on the ground, so I'd I'd have no hesitancy firing up this week. Jaguars have also been pretty balanced, so I think this is like, I mean, I hope he doesn't get steamed, but this is a DFS spot where I'm like kind of excited to go to Travis Etienne if everyone's gonna gonna play Christian Kirk like a bunch of donkeys. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Etienne could be under rostered too due to injury fear, obviously. So a pretty right. 
pretty interesting week 13 DFS. Yeah, wait, play. wait. As the host or, you know, a, a guest or whatever you call me on this podcast, someone who'd love to play ETN, he's really hurt, guys. I don't even know. <laughs> don't worry. Don't put him in your lineup. Don't worry. There you go. It. You heard it here first from DFS expert, Kyle Expert. Denny, it's a high total <laughs> game. We're expecting to be a high scoring game. But are there any Lions pass catchers we can really rely on beyond Amon Ross St. Brown, who has finally gotten healthy and is just dominating again over the past three weeks? There are. There's a guy named DJ Chark, folks. He is playing. Last week, uh, he ran 80% of the routes um, against the Bills. He caught two of five targets for a whopping 16 yards and a touchdown against Buffalo you know, he remains the team's best downfield threat. So if you think this game is going to go back and forth, if you think, as the kids are saying, it's going to pop off, then, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think Chark could get involved here. Uh, he had the second most air yards for Detroit in week 12. Uh, before his week four ankle injury, he led the team in air, in air yard share, uh, 35% of the air yards, in fact, in those first uh, three weeks uh, and he was targeted downfield more than anyone else. So he still, he still profiles as the only game in town. If they're going to go deep, if golf is going to go deep, very thin play. But I, I think that if this game goes back and forth, he could be uh, okay, you know, for, for, for uh, 14 team leagues, maybe. Wanted to open this one up to the floor. Deandre Swift has been removed from the injury report altogether. He played more in week 12. He was playing like really high value snaps, getting some high value touches, even though the overall touch count wasn't quite what we want to see. Is there anyone kind of getting back on the DeAndre Swift train as we get close to the fantasy playoffs? I'm not not bullish on him. Does that make sense? I I, I mean, I, I feel like his usage was not horrible. I mean, I know that Jamal Williams gets all the goal line stuff. I get that. But, like, they missed uh, DeAndre Swift on a touchdown on a wheel route. Uh, he had one called back because his knee scraped the ground when he bowled over three guys into the end zone. He caught a two-point conversion. He had three high-value touches last week. He's finally not hurt. Uh, the Jags give up the fifth most running back receptions. Folks, I'm building a case for DeAndre Swift if you if you feel like playing him this week. I think he's capped at about 50% of snaps. He had 34% last week, uh, so that would be a big increase. Um, but then Justin Jackson had 25%. So if Justin Jackson gets down to like around 10%, Williams is still going to be involved around 40 uh, I think maybe he gets to 50% of snaps, but that's, you need him to run really hot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 50% like, snap share. When 50% is the optimistic case, it is tough sledding out there. Like when you're like, Oh boy, I really hope he comes close to seeing the field half the time. And maybe <laughs> God, Godspeed, he could push for 10 touches. He hasn't topped 10 touches since week one. Like, of course I want the Andres to be a thing, but like lines had, I mean, maybe this is finally it. He's finally, finally healthy for real this time. It counts though. But I, I don't know. It's, it's, I've been beaten into submission by them giving Swift no no actual like volume. Well, it sounds like since we're finally giving up on him, he will of course go off. Right. <laughs> I'm not giving up. I I think if you if you have him and you you're you're torn between him and I, I'm trying to think of like another like and I would play him over Antonio Gibson and play him over. What Brian about Rodden. Pacheco? You guys were bullish on Pacheco. You play. No, I have, I have Pacheco a few spots. I have a few spots. Have Pacheco a few spots ahead of Swift I, still. In in PPR, I would be pretty torn on that. I think I might go Swift. I do on Thanksgiving. You know, against the Bills, one of the best teams. They were anytime there was like an important third down or something, they were getting DeAndre Swift out there, and they were usually giving him the ball. I I just I feel like it was way more positive uh, last week than it has been. It's been dismal. You know, it's it's, it's been, been dismal. Very yeah. dark with lately. There. It's been very very uh, dismal for him. And, 
Uh, th- this show will not be dismal. We're going to take a quick break. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. The Tennessee Titans and Philadelphia Eagles ready for this week's best game. That might be a tough watch still, Kyle. Set the scene for us in Philadelphia, where I'm surprised at the amount of points the Eagles are favored by currently four and a half. Yeah, I think the the Eagles, at least in terms of Vegas, is still giving them. And I'd say rightfully so. I'm not as surprised as you are for their start to the season. Also, though, I mean, it is kind of a good matchup to face the Green Bay defense when you're one of the best run teams in the NFL. But they did drop, what, 40 on them. So I get it. Starting with the Tennessee side, I mean, there's I, I think there's two players you can actually care about. Obviously, Derrick Henry, we don't need to talk about him. He's, I believe, number two in rushing, number one or two in expected rushing fantasy points. Obviously, start him. I don't care about Good matchup, bad matchup, underdog favorite, whatever. But Traylon Burks, I think we're finally arriving at the Traylon Burks breakout. 81% route rate last week, and he has married that with being incredibly efficient since returning the lineup three weeks ago, or maybe it was three games ago. He's 12th in yards per route run since returning from that. I believe it was a foot injury, 30% air yard share, 21% air yard share. I think it's the season. I think it's Trey Lurk's season, right in time for the holidays. So <laughs> but that's the only other player for this team I really would consider starting, like not Ryan Tannehill, none of the tight ends. And then on the other side, Titans are not a like bad defense either way, really, versus the runner, versus the pass, but they are brutal against the run, and that has forced teams to throw against them. They actually end up giving up the sixth most fantasy points to quarterbacks, the third most passing yards, and the fourth most passing touchdowns. So as if you had any sort of concerns about Jalen Hurts, don't. And without uh, Dallas Garden lineup, none of the tight ends have made an impact. Mm-hmm. And in turn, Devon Smith really turning things up. 56% air yard share, 38% target share in just two games. So it's not a huge sample without uh, without Dallas Goddard. So I'm not saying the flippening has happened by any means, but it looks like he's really been the one who's had an uptick in his usage since we lost Dallas Goddard. Quez Watkins is running a lot more routes too, just yeah. with, with Goddard out. So, I mean, I, you know, very thin. They're very, they're very similar players. So he also gets a lot of screens, which is something that they were using Goddard for. So it's kind of an interesting, he's out of the mm-hmm. slot too. So it's, it's, you know, he's not a tight end, but he's getting some of the over the middle stuff. And Kyle made an interesting point about the Titans. So not a good week to point chase with Miles Sanders. The, the Titans are elite mm-hmm. against the run. And Miles Sanders is not going to be stacking W's this week. Even but you got to start him. 
You do have to start them. Even though they're home favorites, it's back to like 16 carries, 68 yards, and praying for a touchdown with Miles Sanders. Yeah, that's, that's true. I think that to the Devontae Smith stuff, I think he's probably the safest option this week. Um, he oh. seems to be involved like when they have trouble protecting uh, Jalen Hurts, which they could a little bit this week. Then he's more involved in like the quick game stuff and the um, and the screen game as well. So I think he's getting his targets this week. I think AJ Brown is set up for a potential monster ceiling game here, but but Smith is uh, you know kind of just the he's going to be fine. He's like your I think double. AJ Brown. I think we are getting it this week. Where teams buy into this stuff too. AJ Brown is pissed at the Titans. Like I, I, I think they actually are going to collaborate to make this happen. Like, begging them. He, he tweet anytime a Titans pass drops a ball, he tweets like lol. Like, <laughs> he, he, they're going to. And Nick Sirianni is does he like say a, it that way though? Do you think that's lol? Is he an lol or a lol guy? Lol, I say lol. And Nick Sirianni seems like kind of an emotional coach. I, I think I, I. That's really a great think, point. Uh, you mean the guy who's kind of yelling at fans in the middle of a <laughs> yeah. game just walked over to the sidelines to yell at fans? That guy has a little bit of a run hot in him. Yeah, that's, I think they're making that's a good happen. point. I, I wouldn't be surprised if AJ Brown was was covering Traylon Burks. <laughs> so first career snaps at cornerback, just locking him down too. Yeah. Huh. So, a note on uh, AJ Brown. And by the way, I was on the fence of who to make the cover boy for the walkthrough this week. It's going to be AJ Brown now. I mean, come on, that that return home narrative. I it's got to be. The That's the game. analytics, folks. It is the oh, analytics. Man. That's so good. Um, but yeah, substantial lead in air yard share over Devontae Smith, forty-one percent to thirty-one percent. But he's also seeing a lot more over the middle of the field targets. If you look at uh, middle of field targets traveling ten plus air yards, Brown ranks seventy-eighth percentile. Smith is just in the 18th percentile. So if the offense can get going downfield, which I think they'll try to do against this, you know, they're not going to be bothering with the run defense. I completely agree with that point. Um, Brown is really the one who benefits from that downfield attacking passing offense like we saw when they had the absolute explosion spot against the Steelers. Riding high off their quarterback change, the New York football Jets arrive in Minnesota as three-point underdogs. Patrick Crane, tell the folks what they need to know about the fight in Mike White's. Yeah, so uh, I mean, Mike White here. It's 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 actually kind of exciting. Uh, in twenty games, Zach Wilson has produced positive EPA just six times. It's pretty bad. Uh, his best ever performance is Real eight bad. point yeah eight point four expected points added in his best ever performance last week. Mike White had sixteen point eight. That's exactly double the best performance Zach Wilson has ever put on tape in his entire career. Mike White uh, is actually taking this offense to another level, like legitimately. Uh, I doubt he's probably the long-term answer here. He's playing the Bears defense. They're, they rank 31st in EPL out per drop back. He's now getting a Vikings defense that's better. They're not great. They're 19th, but you know they're definitely not Bears-level bad. Um, and the Vikings are second in PFF's run grades. So I think whereas the Bears are just bad at everything and you can have a run first team like the Jets kind of moving the chains, Mike White can doesn't have to be relied on. There's not real pressure on him. This will be a little bit different. I think the pressure will be on White a bit more in a tougher matchup. So, you know, he's, he's not going to do what he did last week, but who cares? Tougher, is it tough? Is it a tough matchup? The Vikings do bleed passing production. It's tougher than the Bears. Yeah, it's not a tough matchup. It's a tougher matchup. It's, um, it's, it's, it's at least... It's not like a, a walkover match. It's not a walkover. And I do think when you look at some of these teams like the Jets, they really benefit from when they can be balanced. 
you know, if they can't run the ball and it's, you know, and they're one dimensional with Mike White, all of a sudden he he looks a lot less interesting. So I think he's going to he's going to struggle more than last week, but it doesn't matter because we need one thing from him from fantasy. Like you're not starting Mike White, you're starting Garrett Wilson. And I think Wilson can still get there and he is a really nice match for Mike White. Wilson, he gets open very easily. He ranks wide receiver eight in ESPN's open score, which uses this uh, the player tracking data to actually you know measure where guys are uh, right before the ball is thrown, when the ball is thrown. He's been awesome at getting open. He also has an 8.4 A dot. Mike White has a shallow A dot as well, 5.9 A dot this year, ranks uh, ahead of only Colt McCoy and Kyle Allen. So you know he needs to be able to find a guy quickly, shallowly. He is finding that with Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson is going to be clearly the lead guy again this week. We had Corey Davis back in the lineup last week. Garrett Wilson still led the Jets with 90% route participation. First read target rate of 21%, which led the team. He had an elite target uh, targets per out run of 29%. He's the guy now. He's clearly the guy. Uh, Elijah Moore only had 42% route participation last week. He's still completely off the fantasy radar. So, I think White's going to regress, but I still think he can support Garrett Wilson is kind of where I'm at on this Jets offense. The running game, not so interesting to me. Um, it looks like it's going to be Zonovan Knight, but th- this is actually like a decently tough rushing matchup. Um, I guess in a pinch, you know, not a not a terrible fill-in option, but He's around RB30, 30, 31. He's like yeah. a mid-range RB3. Right. Um, if you look at the Vikings, I'm a little encouraged based on the way they played against the Patriots. Uh, not even just like how the team played, but how they approached the game. Uh, they had a 9% pass rate over expected on first and 10, 5% pass rate over expected overall. They were setting Cousins up for success. They were leaning on Cousins in what is probably a little bit of an overrated Patriots pass defense, but still like, you know, decently tough matchup that he was in. They weren't worried about it. I think that's a positive sign for how they might approach this tough matchup against uh, a, a good Jets pass defense. Uh, and again, what do we care about? We care about the number one receiver here. No concerns for Justin Jefferson. He saw extra defensive attention last week on 49% of his routes. Bill Belichick did try to take away the number one option. He tried. It didn't work at all. 78% of Jefferson's yards last week came against double coverage. He had 6.0 yards per route run against double coverage. I mean, they tried to take him away. It didn't work. Uh, I think we're, we're just, you know. Obviously, he's matchup proof, but just a huge reminder that he is truly, truly matchup proof. TJ Hawkinson, I think, is the number two guy here, uh, even with Adam Thielen having a, a good game last week. Since joining the Vikings, he has a 20% first read target rate to Thielen's 10%. Uh, so I do think Hawkinson's the way to go outside of Jefferson. And then Dalvin Cook, he's seen an 85% plus snap share in four of his last five games. Still looks like a low-end RB1 as a workhorse with breakaway ability. TJ Hawkinson has caught five-plus passes in four straight games for the first time in his career. Those four games, of course, his first with the Vikings. So they have meant very serious business with their trade acquisition. Denny Carter, the Kyle Shanahan Bowl, is taking place in Santa Clara with the Dolphins arriving in town as four-point underdogs. Dolphins have some injury concerns of their own. We don't know what's going on with left tackle Taron Armstead. He seems more out than in with his pectoral injury. But the Niners themselves suddenly find themselves undermanned in the backfield with Elijah Mitchell out, Christian McCaffrey banged up. We talked about it a little earlier in the week, Denny, on our show on Monday, or excuse me, it was a Tuesday. But what do we know about the state of the Niners' backfield? I 
wanted to touch on that Teron Armstead injury because I'm going to take the place of Kyle as the offensive line, you know, expert here. Oh. I'm going to get, I'm going to get in, uh, what, what do we call it? In the trenches. I'm getting in the trenches, folks. <laughs> you're learning, you're learning. You'll pick up the terminology as you go. All right. Here, here's what's happening in the trenches with, with the Dolphins. I, I, I this Armstead injury is, is serious. And, and yeah, you're right, Pat, about, you know, he's, he's more out than in. I, I don't think he's going to play this week. Um, Miami has allowed a 26% pressure rate with Armstead in the lineup this year. That pressure rate jumps to 55% when he's out. Um, some of that is without Tua under center when he was out with the concussion. Uh, last week against Houston, Tua was sacked four times on 11 dropbacks without Armstead when he, mm. when he exited the game. Yikes. And against a, a, a pretty fierce San Francisco uh, pass rush, I, I feel like this is like a border, borderline disaster for, for Tua and, and the passing game. I'm not saying that you can't start, like you're starting Waddle, you're starting, you're starting Tyreek and everybody, but I don't think that they can let anything develop downfield. I think it'll be a bunch of dinking and dunking. I do think they will pass a lot, obviously. Um, I also think that, that this could open up some more targets for the running backs. Maybe Jeff Wilson, maybe Mostert. It depends on Mostert's health and his involvement. Um, but I think that, you know, Tua's uh, upside is uh, in question here with that Armstead injury. Um, the uh, yeah. And then you wanted me to talk about the 49ers back. Just real quick yeah. too, the uh, four yeah. sacks and 11 dropbacks without Taron Armstead. Really ominous stat. At least now yeah. they've had a week to prepare for not having him. So hopefully now they at least have like no. a, they'll have a different game plan. Yeah. I, I do trust Mike McDaniel, but. Uh, yeah, it's a major, major concern. It is. It is. It's big. Uh, so, yeah, I'm out of the trenches now. Um, so, Jordan Mason was active last week and and, and took on, um, you know, some snaps and some carries with McCaffrey hurting and with Elijah Mitchell out. Of course, Mitchell is done for the season uh, with that knee injury. So, Mason was active per 49ers beat writers because um, uh, Davis Price – uh, was or is it Price Davis? I never can remember. Dave, Tyrion Davis Price is his name. Tyrion, name. Tyrion Davis Price doesn't play special teams, and Jordan Mason does. So with with that in mind, I think we will see TDP, as the kids call him, uh, active this week, and that could throw a wrench in, you know, Jordan Mason seeing like a decent workload in that Elijah Mitchell role uh, behind CMC, and this assumes CMC plays. So we have to really uh, closely monitor the Niners practice report. Um, obviously, if McCaffrey is out, then that changes the calculus completely on Mason, on TDP, on on even um, say his name. Yeah, Tevin Coleman, folks. Yeah, Tevin Coleman is going to be called up uh, in in maybe a certain scenario against the Dolphins, and Shanahan loves loves Tevin Coleman. So it's loves it's a mess. Dolphins. It's a real mess. Drafted him in Atlanta. Can't quit him. It's a real, 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 real mess. Uh, Patrick Crane, what is going on with the 49ers pass catchers? Where I just feel like things have been getting weird with this 49. Like, but Kyle Shanahan is like getting into experimentation mode. Why? I'm not really sure. I was thinking maybe Debo Samuel. If Christian McCaffrey's actually banged up, I think we could see more touches in the Debo Samuel slasher role this week. What's going on with the Niners pass catchers? Yeah, no, I I, uh, I agree with you that things are getting weird. One thing that we're seeing is Jawan Jennings is getting meaningful target volume when on the field. 
we can't do anything with that because he's not out there for enough routes. He's a part-time receiver, but he has a 21% target per route run, second to only Debo Samuel among 49ers wide receivers. So it's just like the last thing we need because we already have Kittle and Samuel and Ayuk and McCaffrey with prominent roles in the passing game. All of those guys have a yards per route run between 1.64 and 1.85, which is all kind of like fine. But it's, we, you know, you're kind of, it's a guessing game. You need to figure out who's going to have the target volume funnel to them that specific week. Um, I love the idea of Debo maybe getting more work out of the backfield. That's the type of thing that would clear this up uh, a little bit. Brandon Ayuk, as far as the receivers go, is the closest thing that we have to like a number one right now. Surprisingly, not Debo. I mean, if you look at the underlying stuff, he leads the 49ers with 1.77 expected yards per out run, leads the team with a 16% first read target rate. Uh, it's not a big lead or anything. He's getting the most red zone cut. targets too. Yeah, but but they he got kind of installed as the number one early in the year, and he did a good job. And I think basically he's still in that role as as much as there's kind of a number one, which it really which it really isn't. Except for Juwan Jennings. Uh, Kyle, what is the injury situation in Miami's backfield? Raheem Mostert is practicing. Jeff Wilson seems to have survived his leg scare from week 12. What does this mean against the 49ers? A revenge game we should mention for both running backs. I was going to say a revenge game for Jeff Wilson, of course, as if it isn't exactly a revenge game for both. Uh, Raheem Mostert back-to-back limited practices, but with his history of injuries – I feel less confident, like typically when players are getting limited throughout the week this late in the season, that's just, oh, it's maintenance adjacent. For him, I feel less confident. I have, I'd, if I had to guess, I would imagine he does leave the week questionable and plays, but I actually would be checking up on him as we get an actives coming through. And like you said, Jeff Wilson came through. He left, uh, you know, as, as a player, I may have loaded up on a little bit of DFS. It's very upsetting to see him leave. He came back in the midst of a true blow. There was came like back no, for like no reason. That was a good sign. Yeah. A true blowout. The game was out of hand already, and they they gave him a few more carries. It didn't mean anything for me financially, of course. He didn't score on those carries. But the fact that they put him back in the lineup and there had no purpose in doing so tells me he's just fine. So I think we'll see him. I think Mostert's a true 50-50. And uh, not to be outdone by Denny as far as trench talk goes, they lost, again, Austin Jackson right tackle this week. So they don't even have the flexibility of using like a swing tackle wherever they choose to. They're starting almost certainly backup tackles at both spots against a run defense that is – First in the NFL in a bad way for the opposing running backs in yards per carry allowed. I believe they're also first in EPA per rush allowed. This is easily the best run defense. So although you're probably playing Jeff Wilson, the line issues plus the opponent, you could convince me people have flex decisions where they shouldn't be playing him. I actually think this game, just for game script purposes, I think it sets up as a Niners blowout win. Ooh, I wouldn't. I would maybe agree with that if the 49ers weren't the most overrated team in the entire league. <laughs> I also, Last time they played a functional offense, they got destroyed by Patrick Mahomes. Isn't Mike McDaniel just like world sharper than Kyle Shanahan? I just yeah. can't see Shan. I just don't want to see Shanahan get the upper. No, Shanny is sharp, but Shanny is obstinate, and Shanny uh, yes. is Shanny. Yeah, I love McDaniel. I, I, I want. I'm going to McDaniel to be my little brother. The problem with this game is I'm going to be my dad. There's going to be a game. There's going to be like a game of one-upsmanship going on. Because I mean, McDaniel's going to be trying to out Shanny Shanny. I'm kind of afraid, especially since he kind of needs to with the lion issues and all that. This does set up for an Alec Ingold versus Kyle Hughes check. Six carries each, oh, wow. four targets. Oh, They're both going to love to pull out all the dumb stuff they designed over the years for their fullbacks. Albert Wilson's still in the Dolphins. He's going to get like 15 targets. Is there any like? 
this is almost like the um remember the Raiders Super Bowl back in the early 2000s when No, wait, uh, what do you no. 2002-03 Brad Johnson, John Gruden, who can forget it? For Rich versus Gannon. Rich Cannon and they and it was actually the guy who was in the old team and his the offensive mind had left to join the Buccaneers. Uh we're not going to say who it was. And uh that particular coach knew everything that that quarterback was going to do. In this case, in this case, could this be bad for Jimmy G? Mike McDaniel knows every little trick that Jimmy G is going to try to do. Jimmy G, I think, kind of the more propped up of these two quarterbacks. Maybe Jimmy G gets exposed here. Ooh. uh, No, no, I'm not going to – no comment. No comment. Um, It's going to be a really, really interesting game. be a really, really interesting show when we return right after this. I think Denny's right. <laughs> I just don't want it to be true. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, on the PGA Tour, and in the World Cup. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Colts and Cowboys in our Sunday Night 7 contest. Guys, this next game is rapid fire. I'm timing you. You have one minute to talk. Neither the Ravens nor the Broncos have a functional offense, but only the Ravens have a quarterback. Denny Carter, we'll begin with you. What is your one-minute takeaway for Broncos-Ravens? I I don't even need a minute. Here's what I'll tell you. Uh, Ravens allow the 12th highest rate of positive rush plays this season. They have allowed the the league's sixth highest rushing success rate since week eight. Latavius Murray is live once again if – you know, Mike Coon doesn't come in and spoil everything <laughs> for him. But yeah, I mean, Latavius is like locked into a pretty huge workload. I, I, I know things might might change. I like him. I like him this week. Boy, how bad does Mike Boone have to be, by the way? Where they just like keep trying yeah. to find anyone. Well, Mike Boone's been on IR for weeks. I, yeah, no, true. I know he has, but like he wasn't used before that. It, it's another, it's a, it's a huge L for analytics. I'll say. Kyle, one minute on the game. You've already wasted Why's 10 Mike seconds. Been, isn't he team preseason? You already wasted 10 seconds correcting us on Mike Boone, by the way, Kyle. So uh. That's all right. I don't need – this game isn't a three-minute game. I'm concerned that what we're seeing from the Ravens isn't, you know, some bad luck, which some of it is. Mark Andrews' luck doesn't seem to describe the way he drops touchdowns. It's almost consistent how often he drops touchdowns. I'm calling that bad luck. But really, the bad luck started when they lost Rashad Bateman, who was and still is, although it hasn't added in a while. 13th in yards per route run. Who's seriously totally forgot about that guy. (laughs) Dude, he helped the offense so much. He was like truly an elite downfield threat. You know, like I said, 13th in yards per route run. He a great amount of space to give up, you know, easy receptions for Mark Andrews. And although it's only like an 11 game sample this year, 
Jackson is averaging six and a half more PPR points when Rashad Bateman was in the lineup. He's throwing fewer touchdowns, like two and a half times fewer touchdowns. Yards per attempt is almost down by a yard. It's just been it's been a tough sledding without a guy who can really create space. And Marcus Robinson or Devin Duvernay, whoever they choose to use this week, Robinson, if it is, he's like 66th in yards per route run. He doesn't fill that same role to the extent that Bateman did. So I I think it's been one minute, by the way. Yeah, I think the Ravens passing attack will be better, but frankly, the loss of Bateman is showing to be very bad. So I I don't think it'll rebound to where it was to start the year. I had other stuff to talk about, but I I love this Bateman thing. Let's talk about that. Think about the the Chiefs were like, what are they doing? Oh, they're running out Justin Watson. A Chiefs cast off is the Ravens' number one wide receiver right yeah. now. Like it, it's pretty bad. Uh, I think they're going to be shifting to the run here against a defense that ranks 17th in EPA allowed per rush. They're very strong against the pass, but we could get J.K. Dobbins back this week, which is going to make the backfield a mess. I think he kind of trusts Gus Edwards maybe a little bit. He had 50 percent of snaps against the Jaguars if. Dobbins doesn't go, but if Dobbins does go, I I don't know if there's anything here. On the Broncos side, I just want to point out, they're so consistent, which is like, this is a team that's reeling, right? They've scored 20 plus points just once all season. They've lost seven of their last eight games. Like this team should be like wildly shifting in its approach, like 20% PROE, minus 20% PROE, like find find something that's clicking. And Mm -hmm. every week they roll out the exact same, like slightly run first game plan, like Come up with a new idea, Broncos. This one's not working. Yeah, it's he, nuts. Nathaniel Hackett is one and done. Really one of the strangest things we've ever seen in the NFL. Denny, and maybe the most surreal game of the year, Deshaun Watson is returning from his 11-game suspension for the Browns in his former home of Houston. As I said earlier this week with Lawrence and Kyle, it's a fancy situation a lot of us honestly would just rather not talk about. It's very weird. He shouldn't be playing football this year. But it's happening. He's back, and we need to know how does this change the Browns' offense? Yeah, doesn't doesn't feel great to talk about uh, this. But I, I, I actually think that there's they won't the Browns won't have much reason uh, to to use Watson much in this game unless things go really sideways. Uh, they're playing, you know, by almost every measure, the worst uh, rush defense in the league. Cleveland um, has the fourth lowest pass rate over expected. Uh, Houston has the highest rate of missed tackles. By a, by a huge margin, mar, margin, not Martian, uh, margin against opposing running backs, and they're dead last in EPA against the rush. So I, I, I think there's a there's a, a possibility Deshaun Watson won't uh, won't pass twenty times in this game. I mean, I think that it'll be a hugely run heavy game script unless you know, like I said, things go haywire. Uh, so I, I I see him as a very shaky fantasy option in this one. He hasn't even played for two years, so there will be. A lot of incentive, yeah, to keep the restrictor plate on the offense. Just against the worst run defense in the entire league. Yeah. Anyone have anything to say about the Texans? We debated Damian Pierce earlier this week. Kyle said he's not an RB two anymore. Um, he's been fired for that. He's not allowed to talk. But <laughs> how dare I slander the running back of the worst <laughs> team in the NFL? <laughs> it's it's a good matchup, right? Yeah, the Browns have a horrible, horrible, horrible defense. They really do. It's um, bad. It's bad. It makes you wonder why the Bucks didn't try to score late in the game uh, against them last week. How how crazy was that? They were just that like really man. wild. Check yeah. out Galaxy yeah. Brains this week. But is Nico Collins surpassed Brandon yeah. Cooks? Yeah. Yes. I've yeah. ranked him ahead of Brandon Cooks, like probably for the first time 
in the ranks this week. So that's that's still very close, but he's like he's running more routes now and he's getting a little bit better target volume. So you, you're gonna get ten of the saddest targets you've ever <laughs> seen, but it's ten targets. You can't you can't turn that down. Yeah, you can't fight target city hall. I, I do agree with Denny that this is gonna be a run heavy Cleveland offense. So that makes me a little more confident in Pierce in that like I don't think the Browns are mm-hmm. just gonna be kind of running away from They'll probably outscore them pretty heavily, but it might, you know, kind of take all four quarters to get there as opposed to, you know, what the Dolphins did last week. So it makes Pierce a little bit more interesting. The Chargers and Raiders meet up as two teams finally trending in the right direction, or at least supposedly. Uh, The Chargers were surprising, or there are, excuse me, the Chargers are surprising, narrow road underdogs in Las Vegas. I couldn't remember. The line has shifted in this game. I couldn't remember who has shifted in favor of Kyle. Justin Herbert finally had his first three touchdown game since week two and week 12, while the Raiders are one of the best matchups for any opposing quarterback. Are we finally looking at the beginning of a Justin Herbert hot streak? Yes, although I'm not sure it's for the right reasons. I've been watching too much Bachelor reruns, so I'm saying things are for the right reasons. <laughs> but, but we got, like you said, we got the three touchdowns last week, but he was held under six yards per attempt again. He had his lowest dot of the season. Obviously, we, we didn't have Mike Williams per usual at this point, didn't have Mike Williams and back-to-back DNPs for Mike. He's not playing this week. So it looks like they ran out the same losing formula they had been running out in every game where all of their receivers were beat up. They just got there with touchdowns this time. The upside is that if they make it through this week versus the defense that is second in points allowed to opposing quarterbacks, that is dead last in EPA per pass attempt or per drop back allowed, you know, you can probably survive this week with a good a good Herbert performance despite the lack of like the true deep threat on the team because the opposing defense is so bad. And then maybe we get Mike Williams back and then things start cooking again. So I think the matchup will paste over the fact that this is still the Chargers team that we don't actually like to see. It makes a lot of sense as a take. Denny, Josh Jacobs has had the 11th 300-yard scrimmage effort mm-hmm. in NFL history, but he's highly, highly questionable with a calf injury. How does the Raiders' backfield shake out if Josh Jacobs does not play? And, and what is such a good matchup? The, the Chargers are quite literally one of the worst run defenses of the 21st century. Uh, Daniel Popper of The Athletic had some really, really interesting interesting stats on that if you check out his Twitter feed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the uh, – I'm going to use a word that Lawrence Jackson did not love, but it's a juicy matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he Lawrence mentioned this on the Fantasy Football Happy Hour the other day. Uh, but, yeah, and so you, you want – you want Josh Jacobs in there. Obviously, I think that he probably will play. Uh, Zamir White, I think, would be in line to get most of the early down stuff if Jacobs is out. Amir Abdullah got most of the work behind Jacobs in week 12. Uh, but again, I think you know he's more of a pass-catching specialist who, you know, last year in, in Carolina, he actually was really efficient and really good in that pass-catching role with the Panthers. Uh, I, th- I think that he, I think that Abdullah becomes... Um, a somewhat interesting like deep league PPR option. If Jacobs is out, not, you know, Jacobs is playing. He gets so much of the uh, workload that you, you can't play anybody else, but Zamir white is an uninspiring touchdown dependent RB three. ish. It is a really good matchup. If, if Jacobs doesn't play, uh, I'll probably have him as an RB three. Yeah. 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 And, and I, won't you him, I won't get him in the top 24. Zamir white's not going out there and catching four or five passes. I mean, that's going to be Abdullah's thing. Abdullah season for sure. Crane, I don't really know what this question even means. I just wrote Matt Collins, Foster Moreau, or both. Uh, can you tell me? What yeah, this or means? both was pretty interesting. I was can like, you, man, can you, can, you, can you tell me what this means? 
Uh, I wrote this question, by the way, for if you're listening and wondering. As far as DFS dart throws go, which is where I feel like the only the only way you'd be playing these guys, like sure, they're both. Well, in play, I think. Unfortunately, you're playing Foster Moreau in season long. I don't know. Maybe you're not I guess checking your right, season yeah. long lineups, but he is being played. Let me tell you. That's that's fair. Yeah, and I think he's in play this week. Uh, kind of touchdown or bust. Uh, underlying volume, pretty uninspiring for both guys, uh, and. I want, I think Jake Jacobs probably goes this week. Um, so I'm not so sure. I don't, they, I feel like they really pushed the envelope with him and it seems like they got the 86 yard tutter, but in the, in the process sacrifice, but at what cost? Yeah. At what cost? (laughs) Other than a stunning win. But, uh, wait, so why are you so pessimistic? I I didn't realize there was like legitimate pessimism for him to go. He was limited on Wednesday. He was limited. This I didn't like the it was a vibes based take. It was early in the week. It seemed like there's some genuine pessimism amongst the, the Raiders media, but he is practicing. That is a very good sign. Yeah, I took that as a good sign he would play too. The fact that he played through the injury for I assume it's just literally one carry, maybe one or two. It was adrenaline though. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like you can like argue that it's two care. They thought the game would be over very quickly, and in fact it was. Uh but yeah, the fact that he finished the game, then comes out limited. I think he's playing. Yeah, I guess that that's definitely the take. And if if he goes, uh, you know, th- this is a bad Chargers defense. Period. You can pass on them if that's the way you like to do things. But the Raiders do not like to do things that way. They're definitely a run based team. I think they'll lean on Jacob. So, um, I mean, I wouldn't be all that excited to play ancillary pieces on this team. You know, guys, we're we have a very long show today. We still have four games to get through, so it's a perfect time for a quick digression. Kyle mentioned The Bachelor. Uh, my wife and I had to stop watching. I think we determined the Zoomers are just they're just too boring. There's not enough drama with the new crop Interesting. of bachelors and bachelorettes. They used to like try like stab each other and stuff, and there's just none of that anymore. And it got too boring. Well, we aren't they all? I, I I used to watch a little bit. I haven't watched in a while, but they're all like trying to become influencers. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so no one wants to like tarnish their brand by being dramatic and right. by. Yeah, you know, sure, I broke a Chardonnay glass and stabbed someone, but I could still sell sunscreen. It's harder to sell free people uh, merchandise when you've stabbed someone. (laughs) I think that that is what's happening. I will say on the last season, on the last season of Paradise, I think maybe they recognized this. And at one point they just removed, you know, the the opposite sex, the guys or the girls from, I always call it the island, like it's lost, but I think it's just like a beach town or whatever. It is. Just remove them, introduce new people, giving them like the unlimited level of temptation, which was disgusting. It's like when the Joker walks in and throws down the two broken halves of the (laughs) pool cue and he said, figure it out or whatever. But they understood that. And they're trying to make good content, even if it's ruining these people's lives. Yeah, they they work on ruining their lives. I will say that. You got to give them that. Uh, talking about ruining our lives, the Indianapolis Colts receiving agonizingly bad quarterback play. The Colts arrive in Dallas as nearly two touchdown dogs. Nearly, that's doing a lot. They're 10 and a half point underdogs. Uh, so three and a half points away from two touchdown. But Kyle, break down one of the sleepiest games of week 13 after you just broke down The Bachelor for us. Yeah, coming to you live from Dallas, it does look like an incredibly sleepy game. The Cowboys had a negative 5% pass rate over expected since week eight. They've only reached a 0% pass rate over expected in one game this year. They're perfectly fine riding a really awesome defense that sets them up with great field position via turnovers, via sacks. So if that's going to be the case again this week, which facing Matt Ryan typically does that, I expect a lot of carries and not a lot of volume. You're, like like we talked about with Moreau, you're, you're starting Schultz because he's he's a tight end, and you're starting to see Lamb. This feels like a less of a Michael Gallup spot. So 
I would only really be starting the guys you have to or CD lamb and the backfield guys, obviously the other side, the only really notable thing that happened at least was Jonathan Taylor, a 79% route rate, a snap share over 90. That was what we saw three weeks ago. Now Jeff Saturday's said his first start as if like coaches get called starts, but whatever you want to call it, his first time coaching the team. And it looks like we're back to that like true three down, 100%, like almost a McCaffrey and roll in terms of snaps and routes roll for Jonathan Taylor. So I, I could probably argue that he should be thrown back into the top three. Maybe the offense holds him to top five status. Johnny Woods banged up after a true breakout performance, like eight catches, 96 yards. So that's just something to monitor to see how much he's actually able to play. Every Colts tight end not named Molly Cox apparently is capable of catching eight passes for 92 yards. It's yes. really quite something. We're having our people look into it. We're having our people look at into the commanders at the New York Giants going to war as questionable contenders in the tough NFC East Patrick Crane. Washington and New York are doing battle in East Rutherford. Take it away and tell us what we need to know. Yeah, so the commanders have been run heavy with Terrell Heineke under center. They have a minus 9% pass rate of expected since week seven. Only the Titans, Panthers, Falcons, and Bears have been more run heavy. This is a team that wants to establish the run. And they get a Giants defense this week that ranks 27th in uh, EPA allowed per rush. So we're going to see the commanders establishing the run. We can count on that. Brian Robinson led the way last week with a 48% snapshot. He actually ran pretty well as well. He was RB4 in rush yards over expected per attempt. He was first in success rate. He's been terrible in success rate this year. Kind of a breakout game for him. Maybe a mini breakout, but still, I would expect him to to lead the way in snaps. It's basically like kind of they're just running the same matchup back. They're going to have a, him established as kind of the early down hammer, I think, and he's probably a viable RB2, definitely touchdown-dependent play, but but viable. Terry McLaurin, I think the only viable guy in the passing game. I think he's very touchdown-dependent, though, here because of how low overall game environment could, could be because it's not just the commanders that are going to be run-heavy this week. The Giants, they're also a run-heavy team, but they're facing a commander's defense that ranks fifth in EPA allowed per rush, fifth in rushing success rate allowed. So they're, I don't think, going to be particularly efficient. The only way they're efficient on the ground is if Saquon Barley, Barkley rips off some long plays. Uh, he's been very boom-bust this year. He's RB32 in success rate this season. He is second in breakaway yards per game. So, I mean, is he going to rip off a long run this year? I don't know. But if he does, that would really, really help this Giants defense because otherwise I think they're going to be struggling to maintain drives. Uh, they're also going against a Washington pass defense that ranks third in drop back success rate. So this is not going to be a very good game for Daniel Jones, most likely. Saquon could probably get there. He can definitely get there, but you know who knows if that will actually happen. Um, I'll say Darius Slayton has a 13.5 ADOT, so like he only needs maybe you know one or two plays to to be kind of a a viable flex play, but it's pretty thin. So there's not a lot in this game. You guys see my really random Darius Slayton stat on Twitter. Uh, I did. What was it? Well, I noticed that he had had at least 58 yards in five straight games. And I was like, you know, I bet there's probably only one or two other players that have had 58 yards in five straight games. And the only other one was Jalen Waddell. Uh, So he hasn't had a ton of ceiling, Darius Slayton in that, but he has established a real floor and he is getting like the real deal. Like this is the only guy we have to throw to. So we're going to throw to him treatment. So you're saying play Slayton over Waddell. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to, uh, I believe it was Seth Walder from ESPN was on uh, Kevin Cole's podcast and he was asking them about this ESPN open score metric that I've referenced a couple of times. And uh, 
he was talking about Darius Slayton because he's crushing in it this year. And he was horrible in the same metric last year and was not great like in his previous years either. And they're like trying to they're trying to figure out like what happened. Apparently, the best guess is that he's running like different routes now. Like he's the, literally Brian running, running more slants. He has yeah. like one sort of good player and is trying to get him open, basically, I guess. And it's and it's working. Darius Slayton, uh fourth year breakout. Well, you mentioned life can be hard for Daniel Jones. Uh, Chase Young should be back for the Commanders this week. So going to be a tough scene for the Giants offense. We really, really need Saquon Barkley. If you're listening to bust a long run or two, uh, please, please, please. The Bucks and Saints square off in Tampa with the uninspired Bucks acting as three and a half point road favorites against the drain circled Saints. Crane, as dismal as the Bucks have been, Chris Godwin is the week 12 bright spot. This is again as Mike Evans struggled. Is there any chance, or any chance is not strong enough? Should a rankings flip be afoot between Chris Chris Godwin and Mike Evans? The gap had kind of been narrowing, and you could argue the past two weeks Chris Godwin has gone ahead of Mike Evans. So we have the the narrative here, right? The Lattimore narrative. Do we have to oh, worry right. about that? Right, we do, and we also have the the Dennis Allen Tom Brady narrative. They the Saints have been his nemesis since he arrived in Tampa Bay. So maybe Lattimore narrative would would give the edge to Godwin here, but I think if we're just like looking at uh, the underlying metrics here, I think Evans still is the ceiling play. Um, he has a 22% first read target rate over the last three weeks. Godwin's at 16%. Evans has a 14.1 A dot to Godwin's 6.3. Godwin's always been more of an underneath guy, but that's a really shallow A dot for Godwin. So every target that Evans is getting is you know significantly more valuable. Uh, and I think he's still a better bet Four targets is underlying target volume in terms of expected yards per outrun is better as well. So uh, in general, I think Evans is the way to go. And I would also note that the Buccaneers have not been as committed to the pass this year. They've gone uh, negative in PROE four times already this season. They went negative in PROE just once in 20 games last year. So, you know, we're seeing them shift toward the run. Not all the time, but it, it's happening in a way. It really just was not happening. Their pass rate of expected also half of what it was last year. So in terms of going with like the Godwin volume PPR play, it's definitely not as exciting as it was when we knew for a fact that the Buccaneers are going to drop back a bunch. Man, just really, really sad so at times. Real quick, the, the kind of uh, passes that Brady's throwing are better for Godwin and, and, and suggests that he – should continue leading the uh, passing attack here. Uh, Brady is, has the seventh lowest uh, air yards per attempt since week eight. Um, mm-hmm. And it's real close to the dead last actually. So it's uh, it's lots of little check downs underneath stuff. And that's not, obviously that's not Mike Evans thing. So we're not yeah, getting not Mike Evans thing. Marshawn Lattimore too. three catches, I believe in his career on average for 50 yards, well under half a touchdown. The last time they played, they got in a fight and he got ejected. So oh, didn't he get ejected this year? Against I don't Marshawn even Lattimore? think that's the only time it's happened. No, this year, it was several times. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, you got to play God, you can't play a guy's going to get ejected. <laughs> Real bold call there. So we don't have a lot of optimism on the Bucks passing attack right now, Denny. Do we have any optimism on Alvin Kamara's Alvin Kamara season officially over? It's not over. I mean, you know, it's over. No, but it's, it's fine. It, okay, like last week was a disaster. Obviously, two fumbles. By last week, you mean the entire season? Dennis. No, not the entire. Pat, what what stage of grief would you say Denny's in? I, uh, <laughs> wait a sec. Wait just a second. <laughs> 
Take us uh, through it, Denny. We have we have exactly seven running backs in the entire NFL who have more expected fantasy points than Alvin Kamara. Oh, so I don't want to hear it. He's he's elite. He <laughs> had seven targets. He had seven targets. One last might week. one might say the Deontay Johnson of running backs. Yeah. I was going to make that joke. <laughs> Look, I mean, if you're going to smear him like that, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, it is you know, borderline libel. <laughs> he's still he's still getting I mean, a lot of looks. He's still playing a lot of snaps. I, I, you know, you you just you just keep keep playing. It's a terrible offense. Like he he needs he needs a little help. But once again, I'm emphasizing. Eighth in expected points, third in expected receiving points among running backs. So you, you're not you're not getting many b- better options uh, from a from a PPR standpoint at at this point. Now, obviously, if you have like you know a couple like elite options for some reason at running back, you can bench Kamara. But you just keep rolling with them. It's fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. He's cleared 50 yards rushing one time in the past six weeks. You don't care about rushing. Who cares about rushing? 62. He's cleared 10 carries only three times in the past. You don't care about carries. You don't care about Look at his box scores. You don't care about fantasy points. You don't care about fantasy points. His box scores were so much better with Jameis. Like the narrative is like the checkdowns would help. No. His his box scores were a lot better with Jameis. Just make the change. Make the change. No, no. Don't make the change. Make it. You love guys with broken bones. Jamar Chase, James Winston. <laughs> well, I may or may not have a lot right in Chris Olave, and we need to get this deep game cooking. Uh, five catches for 62 yards ain't going to cut it anymore, Andy. Uh, we need Jameis. We need him back. We need him bad. Kyle, what goes on in the Bucks' backfield if Leonard Fournette returns? Yeah, looks like he's going to return. He got in a full practice to start the week, so I think we'll be seeing him back. Important note, though, the last time we saw him, it was in Germany, and Rashad White actually got the start. He outsnapped him in the first half before Fournette went down, though Fournette did, I believe, see more touches in that first half. White, he grades better in yards after contact per carry in missed tackles forced per attempt. I would imagine that they lean it. He's not elite in those metrics, but Fournette has been like unusable on the ground. At least White has a little bit of a spark. I'd imagine they split the backfield and we see White, unfortunately, frankly, get more of the carries. Well, we've seen Leonard Fournette, not elite as a receiver, but still very usable and paces the team, at least the team in yards per route run. So I think he probably, it's the, these are scammy PPR. You, you brought Devontae Adams up as scam PPR. I'd like that to be remembered. Recall no, that. Hold on. That, that was a joke. Just be, uh, no, just it was a bit. It was a bit. It was a, that was a joke. Right. That was a joke. Because he's made some really big plays down the field, too. These are our scammy PPR points, but I think he'll be the one getting them. So I get biting the tackles better, but still not extremely valuable. And Fournette, less valuable than he used to be, but still the guy that picks up the receptions. So it's probably a backfield where the return of Fournette makes both incredibly unexciting. So I I would push back a little bit on the idea that Fournette's going to have, like, the role on passing downs and White's going to be, like, the early down guy. Like, that's not really who White is. And, you know, they've had him... Like that's not really how they used him in Germany either. They were kind of splitting series more than splitting the roles. So um, I'd also note that Rashad White was terrible in all the rushing metrics before a few weeks ago, and he's run a bit better. And mm-hmm. I think it's good time for him to run a bit better since he's you know trying to win the starting job. So I would I would think that it's more like a one A one B with White and Fournette, and they're both getting some of the good stuff and some of the bad stuff. Dennis Allen, just have some courage. Have some courage. It's Jameis time. It's Jameis country. Let's ride. Uh, <laughs> That's anyone? a good way to preface starting Jameis Winston, too. It's actually incredibly it is, actually. 
James country. Let's ride Rams country. Let's ride the worst game of the week. The Rams calling it quits on the season. Matthew Stafford doesn't play football anymore. Cooper cup doesn't play football anymore. Aaron Donald doesn't play football anymore. And the Seahawks are still only seven point road favorites. I mean, I guess kind of a big deal to be getting a touchdown on the road against the defending and the Super Bowl champions when you're starting Geno Smith, but Denny, uh, I don't know, just get us home with this game. <laughs> Bryce Perkins, I don't know. Is that his name? Is it Bryson? Is it Bryce? I remember. We don't even, we don't even want to be here anymore. Uh, no, it's uh, – yeah, we could be in, depending on if game script stays reasonably uh, neutral for a little while here. Could be in for a DK Metcalf blow-up game because his expected points are – off the charts over the past was it four weeks over the past month basically three you say for his entire career and surely one of these years so um, so he's so over the past three games Metcalf has 55 expected fantasy points Tyler Lockett has 27 expected fantasy points um Lockett has you know like he does he scores touchdowns and so he's gotten there for fantasy Metcalf has not has gotten pretty unlucky in in a, a few measurements so I I really think that you can not you can't bank on a, a, a blow up game for Metcalf, but I like his chances here. Um, uh, as for the Rams, look, I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna put it out here. Okay, we talked on Monday about Van Jefferson. I'm just saying you, you Van Jefferson is the only receiver who's playing all, who's running all the routes in this offense. Okay, he could like luck into a bunch of targets here. So you know, emphasis on luck. Consider consider him. Emphasis on targets too. No actual guarantee of points. Yeah, or even targets. I mean, we're almost, they almost no, like Kendall no. Hinton to Bryce Perkins last week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Bryce uh, Bryce Perkins did not did not work out like I like I thought as far as the <laughs> rushing goes. Only nine rushes in like massively negative game script. Thought we'd get a little more than that. Yeah, but, it's because Sean McVay was concussed from when that guy. Uh, also, obviously, off. like I just want to just say you you you're done with Higby. Okay, like like you're done um, with Higby, yeah. Oh, hold on, I, I don't. I actually would. He, he was hurt. He was hurt. You're, you are a healthy. Now, Higby's not running like ten routes. If he runs a hundred percent of the routes, you're still done with Higby. I actually don't know about. Have you looked at tight end recently? I think you're done. I've been one of Higby's biggest supporters. Yeah, me too. In, in fantasy, I, you're done with Higby until. I mean, I would be okay maybe going back in once I see that he if he's eighty percent routes this week. We can talk about Higby mm-hmm. in week fourteen. But that's the only way. That's but a good a, mindset to take, actually. That is well, a good but, mindset. But a rushing a rushing quarterback takes away so many of the attempts, right? So, like, with Stafford, we knew we had a statue who was going to throw 35, 40 times. Uh, with uh, Bryce Perkins, you guys are going to run 10 times a game. So he's only going to throw 20, 25 times. It just it just takes away so much volume, as we've yeah, seen yeah. With, with offenses uh, quarterback by every uh, rushing quarterback. Yeah, if Tyler Higby saw like 50% of the team's passing yards last week, I literally think that would have been 50 passing yards. Like there's <laughs> so little production. Yeah, he has 100, to be like, 100 total. Yeah, he has to be like yeah. Cooper Cup levels of target volume just to be Foster Moreau level of tight end production. Man, oh man. But are the Rams going to trade Matthew Stafford back to the Lions? <laughs> Lions wouldn't take him. They wouldn't want I actually not. think the best thing that happened yeah, to Matthew funny. Stafford this year was Perkins and Walford because they're so, so bad. It's like, okay, maybe it is the offensive line. Like maybe Stafford, I mean, you know, he's still a pick six machine, which, you know, that's always a problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's other than that, other than giving six points to the other team. But he was pick six machine last year as well. I mean, they Mm -hmm. literally changed their offense heading into the playoffs because he kept throwing pick sixes. So actually, I feel like he comes off looking better now that we've seen what the other quarterbacks are doing. 
Clearly, they were a good team, but man, the 2021 Rams uh, amongst Super Bowl winners near the bottom. Fraudulent. Yeah, Chiefs maybe play a better uh, second half against. Yeah. <laughs> maybe or maybe you just don't botch the time at the end of the first half. Remember that where they gave away yes. four points. Or you know what? Maybe give the Bills a shot if that's how you're going to yeah. do it the next week. Just let Seriously. the Bills. You didn't need to drive down the field. Just let them have it. The Bengals still almost won the Super Bowl. My goodness. Um, my goodness that the show is over. It's I'm sad. I've been having fun with my friends. I'm I'm gonna miss you guys. It was good. I'll see you Sunday though. And you'll see all of us before then because we have a lot of content up on the site. Pat Crane and Kyle Dvorak have a DFS chat coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Denny has a 1 p.m. ish. 1 p.m. ish. Denny has this funneling article. I'll be updating the rankings. We all have a bunch of stuff on the site. Pat Crane, of course, the signature walkthrough dropping Friday. Is, is that why the chat might be late if no, you're not no. done? <laughs> no, it's because I'm going to be on the Fancy Football Happy Oh, Hour. that's, a, that's right. Check out uh, Pat on the Fancy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry. Check out everything on NBC Sports Edge slash Roto World. Thank you so much for listening. For Pat, for Denny, for Kyle, I'm Pat. We'll be back later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.